Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton and Greg White with you here on Supply Chain. I welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how are we doing? Exceptionally well. Man. It's just a surprising day. Surprising and, I don't know, encouraging. You saw my commentary today. One of my least favorite retailers, I think one that (laughs) me and some other professionals believe probably shouldn't even be in business today. Right. Changing supply chain and merchandising together in a way that should have been done decades ago is hyper encouraging and frankly something that every retailer, I mean, they're not just changing their business. They are changing the business, in my opinion, just the way that they're approaching it. So super, super encouraging by friends at Macy's. Outstanding. I tell you, I love it. I love your commentaries Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, every morning on LinkedIn. Y'all check that out. It is not to be missed. Uh, and today, speaking of things I love, we've got one of our longest running series, most popular series at Supply Chain Today and Tomorrow with Mike Griswold with Gartner. Greg, today's going to be a bit of a unique hour with Mike as we're going to be walking through some of the leading headlines from, of course, inflation to Amazon and employee turnover there, uh, Kroger's and Albertsons, their merger news, and of course, some bold predictions for the holiday shopping season from a supply chain standpoint. and. Greg, since we get asked all the time about you know how to get ahead in your career, we're going to go ahead and pose that, both of y'all, in today's show. So it is a jam-packed episode. Oh, boy. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I mean, it, it is. And it's always great when Mike stops through. He is he's the consummate professional. I think uh, the last show, the one I missed, where you guys actually got to talk, uh, <laughs> he talked about what his role is and right. how people interact with him, which I think is incredibly valuable. Pro- a long time coming, right? Probably probably should have shared that a little earlier, but I'm glad I got the chance to do it anyway. Completely agree. I think a lot of folks are mystified with what industry analysts do, especially Hall of Fame analysts like uh, Mike, who's also mm-hmm. been a practitioner, uh, which is important. So y'all check that out. That was the last, last month's episode and the replay is always available. Now, we're going to share a couple of quick events, say hello to a few folks, and then we'll be swooshing in Mike Griswold. But I got a quick Trivia question for you. Do you know, Greg, what took place one year ago? Let's see here. One year ago today. And this might be a clue. Wait, what? Oh, oh. Let me guess. Uh, <laughs> let me think about that. The Braves won the World Series? Yes, yes. And despite their collapse this year against the Phillies, which are giving the Astros all they want, then some. Right. Um, I mean, the Astros can't even cheat their way to the World Series. <laughs> oh, gosh. We're going to get some hate mail today. Did uh, um, four dingers yesterday? Not that I want to rub it in, but I think it was like three dingers in one inning. Is that right? Something. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> We're going to hear a lot from Macy's folks and from the Houston Astros folks, but that's okay. Uh, all in good fun. Okay. So yeah, we celebrate uh, one year ago today. The World Series was won by the yeah. Atlanta Braves. It's still the only team to win a World Series championship in three cities. Atlanta, also still. World Series champion. That is right. Thank you. You're making my day. Now now I'm on Greg's level. All right. So kidding aside, I want to share a couple of quick learning opportunities and really volunteer service opportunities. And I want to start with 
our ongoing leveraging logistics for Ukraine uh, initiative, right? Led by our uh, friends over at Vector Global Logistics. I tell you what, they give so much for the good things and, and do good initiatives out across the world. Lately, though, the recent wrinkle or, or twist in this initiative is they're, they're soliciting letters written by kids, letters of support like ones pictured here that they want to bundle and send over to school kids in Ukraine. Now, Greg, folks may like roll their eyes at that, but you know, Greg, back in the day when you get something in the mail, I mean, that made your day, maybe made your week. And that's kind of what we're trying to do here, right? Show mm -hmm. some meaningful support. Your quick uh, thoughts here, Greg. Well, it did. It made you feel significant, right? That somebody would actually address something to you. Now, everything is addressed to you all the time, but rarely in actual physical form. And I think that's really, really powerful. It, it is probably, Scott, more powerful than it even was when we were kids, right? Yes, that's so, a great point. I mean, there's so many other ways to communicate these days. Yep. Great point. So it's all about, you may hear Mike and the Gartner team talk about business outcomes. A little twist on that. This is focused on humanitarian outcomes. And so far, over 500,000 pounds of relief supplies have made it across the pond to Ukraine and Poland and folks in need. Now, all of that is governed and driven by our planning sessions. And the next one is November 15th at 11 a.m. Eastern time. There's no obligation. You can come, put your mic on mute, and just listen and learn kind of what's going on, especially from a practitioner standpoint, what the need is, what's being done. There's no obligation. Of course, if you can give, like Greg says, give big, give small, but just give. It'd be great if you can support our efforts. But uh, check out the link they dropped in the comments, and we'd love to have you be a part of our efforts. Okay. And then really quick, our next webinar, Greg, November 9th, we're going to be talking uh, with our friends at Omnia Partners about how GPOs, not GTOs, I bet cars can can help us. Maybe not, not mitigate. GTO is not going to help you mitigate risk. <laughs> but right. GPO is. You beat me to it as always. Yes, but check out November 9th session at twelve noon with our dear friends at Omnia Partners. How GPOs can help mitigate your risks. Okay, and that link is in the comments as well. Before we bring on Mike, Greg, let's say hello to a few folks. We've got a a good friend back with us. Old PB Peter Bolay all night and all day. He says, sweet, finally catching a chat with Mike again. Hope you had a great golf season, Mike. We'll find out. Get Mike's update on golf, huh? Yeah. Let's check out his handicap. I'd like to see some actual verification of that as well, Peter. <laughs> That's right. Mario is with us. Uh, great to see you guys. I like the positive vibes here. Greetings from Dallas. Did I say Mike? I meant Mario. I'm probably thinking Mike. We uh, said Mario. Oh, did I? Okay. Yeah. Well, Mario, great to have you here. We lean into positive vibes and, and, and positive thinking. And uh, hey, how about them Cowboys? Greg, how, how are the Cowboys doing? I don't know. That's a, I, I mean, they had the potential for a real quarterback right. controversy with Cooper Cup. I came, I'll go with that. Yeah. Although I'm, I'm a huge Dak Prescott fan. I loved watching him play in college. I think if they can get an offensive line in front of him, right? Um, I think he's going to be back. I think he's getting healthy uh, yeah. maybe this week or next week. Uh, well, he was available last week. I think they played a Sunday night or a Monday night game. That's embarrassing. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I've hey. been woefully deficient in watching football this season. Mario, let us know. Great to have you here. Appreciate the uh, the great feedback there. Of course, Catherine, Amanda, behind the scenes, helping to make production happen today. Big thanks to all that y'all do there. Reggie, you're welcome for the invite. We try to have the movers and shakers with us on all of these live streams and glad that you're here. Let us know where you're tuned in from. Uh, Helmet, great to see you. Scott and Greg, you're our supply chain champions. <laughs> well, sports analogy like that, Helmet. 
Yeah. Greg, uh, any thoughts? How would you, how would you respond? Well, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. I mean, I think we're uh, maybe coaches, right? Of hopefully champions and future champions. There we go. I like that. And great, always great to have you with us, Helmut. I appreciate what you do. I think especially in the procurement space, your procurement thought leadership. Okay. So with no further ado, Greg White, we've got one of our favorite guests who's been with us. Probably, I think we're going on year three of this series, if I'm not mistaken. It's evolved. Nobody has put up with us for so long. Me neither. (laughs) But I'll tell you, what has not changed is the feedback we get when Mike joins us and what he shares here. So y'all are in for a treat. So with that said... I want to welcome in the one and only Mike Griswold, Vice President Analyst with Gartner. Mike, how are you doing? Hey, great. I'll give you a real quick Dallas Cowboys update. Cooper Rush was the quarterback. Rush. Cooper Cup's the uh, wide receiver. Sorry. Dak is, yeah, Cooper Cup is the guy from the Rams. Uh, right. Dak has been back for two weeks. They beat the Lions and they beat the Bears. Now they're on a bye week. So they're doing all right. I mean, we had, myself included, when, when Dak got hurt against Tampa Bay, the season looked like it was over. Yeah. Cooper Rush came in, played really well. There was never going to be a quarterback controversy, despite what yeah. people like to stir up. And the bye comes at a good time. But they still need to beat some good teams. And they haven't done that yet. They, they lost to the Eagles. And now the opening season loss to Tampa Bay, If I if I put my college basketball hat on, that's a bad loss. It's not right? a quality way, loss. You're right. No, it is not a quality loss the way Tampa Bay is playing. So we'll see. The defense is playing well. I think the offense is, is You're starting. You're a Cowboys to play. fan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Longtime fan. I mean, I like long time fan. Yeah. Oh. Yep. I didn't so, know anyways, that. It's great to see everyone. Great to be here. This is one of the highlights of my month for sure is is spending time with with all of you and and the people that are kind enough to to carve an hour out of what I'm sure is a very busy day to spend an hour with us. So I, I really appreciate all that. Man, I learned something new every day. We're going to have you on our Supply Chain Nerds Talk Sports uh, show well, soon, Mike. I mean, uh, that would be great. Basketball, of course, but now, yeah. I mean, we yep. yes. Coming up soon. We're overdue. Uh, we're going to have our friend Albert from the Atlanta Gladiators, uh, in a, uh, a hockey franchise. Oh, okay. We're overdue for that. They just kicked off their new season, and they put on, they put on a quality show. So we'll have that. Uh, get ready for that coming up soon. Um, okay, so Greg and Mike, as we get down to business, we've got some great news headlines to walk through. I can't wait to get y'all's take on some of those things, as well as some advice for uh, folks fighting to climb up that career ladder. But I want to start with kind of a fun warm-up question, kind of fun and kind of serious at the same time. You know, between all the pressures of the post-pandemic world, inflation, supply chain pressures, you name it, it's all about stress all too often, then the holidays on top of it. But today is National Stress Awareness Day, right? So Mike and Greg, Mike, I'm going to start with you. What is one thing that you do to de-stress and kind of recharge the batteries a bit? Uh, it, it's usually something around exercise, you know, whether it's running, whether it's using the tonal gym we have in the house. I, I find exercise for me, running in particular, is, is a great way to just kind of not think about stuff. You know, I, I find when I run, you know, I, I think about, okay, you know, what are some things we want to do in practice today for basketball? Or if I've got, you know, a research project I'm working on, what what might I want to think about that? So for me, it's usually something exercise related. And it, as much as I, you know, I have this huge disdain for running, it tends to be my go-to thing though, when I want to get some exercise and I want to just kind of forget about stuff. Mm. Sounds good to me, Greg. I just internalize it and bottle <laughs> it up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I um I don't know. I really 
it depends on the day, honestly. Yesterday, I went to get fish and chips and sat down next to a couple who had their own stress problems. So after they left, I might have had a cold beverage because they actually did not help me de-stress. Um, <laughs> you know, sometimes just get a bite, yeah. do a lot of nothing, watch the sunrise. I, like Mike, despise running. Absolutely mm. despise it. Still manage to do a walk or run walk almost every day. And, and then I'll quit for a while because, did I mention, I despise it. <laughs> but, I, you know, it, it just depends on the day. I mean, yeah. Honestly, I kind of am really good at just shrugging stress off. I usually try to resolve whatever is caused, causing me stress in some way. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah. Uh, I liked your first answer. About it, just to be clear. <laughs> in case was left. I liked your first answer, bottling it up. Uh, it reminds yeah. me of that movie from... Yeah, uh, way down uh, deep inside there. Yes. We're just going to talk about it ever again. <laughs> <laughs> there's that michael douglas movie back in the yes. late 80s uh what was the name of that falling Break, down falling down yes actually wait. that was from ricky bobby from oh what's that? Night. <laughs> wait uh y'all let us know uh so Catherine's talking about running yeah. is her go-to for de-stressing beautiful views on the trails up there in north georgia where she lives it's a great pretty picture t-squared is talking about how price gouging is also adding to the stress. That's a great point there. He, he was talking about, I think, Little Debbie's or Honey Buns yesterday. But yes. great to have you with us, T-Squared, holding down the Fort Force on YouTube. You know, I think spending time with the kids. You know, some folks that might be, that might add stress in some days. But I like, one of my favorite things to do when I have time is picking up the kids from school and being the first people they talk to as they get in the car. And, and hearing, sometimes hearing their daily challenges makes mine just kind of melt away. All right, so... Reggie, you're tuned in looking for some information on locking in freight contracts. We may be able to touch on that today, but we'll definitely be touching on it on future episodes. And yes, we're all growing some gray hair based on some of the things we're seeing out there in the freight and supply chain space. So we'll try to get to that. Great to have you here today. Um, I, right. I just got some news that should reduce stress for anyone who is an NFL fan. Okay. The Snyder family has just hired a Bank of America securities team to explore selling the commanders. Wow. Okay. Getting the Snyders out of NFL football is a boon to every single football fan. All right. The world. Man, we get all... just get rid of the Dolphins owner also. <laughs> so come here for your sports updates, you your Cowboys updates, and your football business news updates as well. Uh, thanks to Mike and to Greg. <laughs> uh, so we'll see. How, we'll see how quickly that happens. So. I want to switch over to something, of course, that everyone's talking about. Everyone's feeling, you know, we just rolled off probably one of the most expensive Halloweens of the year. I'm scared to even look at the estimates of what your average Thanksgiving meal is going to cost this year. Mm -hmm. Inflationary environment. So a quick data point that most folks should already be familiar with, uh, as reported by our friends at NBC News through last September. So uh, September 2022, mm. the 12-month inflation rate hit 8.2%, right? So I want to start with Mike. What are some of the things that you're seeing companies do to navigate this inflationary environment? Yeah, there, I, if, if I can figure out how to post one of our articles on LinkedIn, I will do that. We've written a lot on supply chain and, in, and inflation and, and the R word, right? The recession word. Mm. Two things as I was looking at my notes from one of the short notes we wrote around this that, that really resonated me. The first is around the mm. SNOP process and how can companies bring the cost element into your SNOP discussions 
So that as you're thinking about you know medium to long-term planning, that process now has cost considerations into it and the potential of changing costs and how might that change how you think about matching demand and supply. The second one that is a little bit, probably a little bit more tactical, which is get rid of discretionary inventory. Now, that presupposes that companies have gone through the exercise that that says, this is the classification of inventory that I have. You know, here's some healthy inventory. Here's some unhealthy inventory, right? Companies need to get rid of that discretionary unhealthy inventory as quickly as they can. And then they need to be smarter around where are we going to invest in upcoming inventory? And, and, and I'm sure this will be obvious to everyone, but try to avoid investing in inventory that has some link to market volatility, right? Try to invest in inventory that's going to be relatively stable, even if we go through an increased um, you know, pricing environment that we're in today. So the one that I thought was the most interesting was the SNOP one, especially, and Greg will appreciate this. If we think about retail, Right now, we're just kind of sorting out the SNOP process. And for us, mm -hmm. it's primarily around quantities. How much do I need? Where do I have it? When do I need it? We haven't really matured into that financial element of SNOP. All the other industries that are a lot more mature than in, in SNOP should really be thinking about that costing component. Mm. Is it baked into your SNOP process? And how is it forming decisions in the medium to long term? Mm. Greg, what would you add to that? Well... <laughs> I like Reggie's kind of off the cuff comment on that topic there. Some of them are thrown out of place. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Reggie tells will. it like it is, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, right. I mean, more will. I, I, you know what I think? What I haven't seen that I think a lot of, of consumers are starting to get frustrated with, which will shift demand, is they've continued to see inflation and corporate profits rise, which means that retailers, the manufacturers, the brands, they are not sharing in the pain that the consumer is seeing. And I don't know that I would expect them to, but act, margin, I want to be clear for those who are angry about this out there. Margin dollars are increasing for retailers because we keep paying the price, by the way. and the But margin percentage is not increasing in a lot of cases. It's just because the volume, they're, they're making the same gross margin. 26% right. on $2 is bigger than 26% on $1. So it in dollars, I should say. So I think that that is one thing that I'm seeing is I'm starting to see a little bit of consumer backlash on that and starting to see some awareness of retailers on that. So I expect us to have, if you're a, oh gosh, what was the, the movie? Anyway, expect us to start having some schooner tuna uh, <laughs> commercials, the tuna with heart. Right. right? Right. And if anybody doesn't know, you can just Google Schooner Tuna and you'll see the video. <laughs> Isn't that um, Hamburger Helper, I think, is the brand yeah. that would put out that uh, those tuna meals, Greg? Is that what you're saying? Remember the, the hand with the heart and they had a whole line of Hamburger Helper products? Is that who you're uh, No, this is what, what is the name of the movie? It had Michael Keaton, I think. Okay. And, uh, oh, scary... you're, you're, thinking, you're thinking Night Shift. Uh, we're going to, we're going to. Yeah, we're going to feed Maybe the tuna fish mayonnaise. You can't feed chili to a baby. It's the other famous Oh, one. okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> it was Terry Garr and either Michael Keaton or Tom Hanks. I cannot believe I still get those two guys confused. But um, <laughs> anyway, she goes to work because he gets laid off from his high-paying job. And she just absolutely oh, kills Mr. Mom. Mr. Mom. Mr. Mom. There it is. Yes. yes thank you. <clears throat> that is yes. Michael Keaton. 
Mr. Mom, the schooner tuna. Yes. We'll, we'll reduce our prices during these difficult times. But as time, you know, as the economy relaxes, whatever, we'll go back to our regular price. Yep. Schooner tuna. The tuna <laughs> with a heart. I, th- I think the other thing, the other thing that's happening, I think, is people are really having that need versus want discussion. Yeah, right? The one you always have with your kids, right? Your kids, I need a cell phone. No, you don't. You want a cell phone. So that need versus want is really, I think, climbing up the consumer decision tree. And I think we're finding less energy on the want right now because of prices. And you know, let, let's not forget that inflation affects everything. So you've got people making trade-off decisions between schooner tuna and gas in the car so I can go to work, right? You've got, you know, gas in the car versus do I pay all the electric bill? So this whole need versus want thing, I think, is really ratcheted up and has been ratcheted up over the last probably 12 months. Yep. It's a good point because savings are declining, right? People saved a lot of the stimulus check that they got. Savings are declining. Personal credit is increasing. The specter of unemployment is definitely out there. You know, we have high employment largely because we have a bunch of volunteers who are outside the employment market. So Mm -hmm. we talked about this yesterday, 7 million able-bodied men, and I mean men, just men, who are choosing not to work right now, even though there are ample jobs available for it. You know, I think we all have this sort of question of why are there so many jobs available and yet so many people who aren't working, not yep. out of work, but aren't working. So. All right. So moving right along, I bring T-Squared's comment back in here because it wasn't honey buns he was talking about yesterday and some of the price gouging and inflationary pricing. It was tasty cakes. Tasty and, cake. I, and I believe it was $3 and 98 cents is what the going rate is. Oh, for something like a buck 60 or something. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. So T squared, thank you for these uh, these pulses in the market uh, on these important products. I'm partial to Little Debbie's, especially fudge right. rounds, star crunches, cosmic brownies. Mike and Greg, now we're talking my language and my upbringing. All right, so moving right along. So from I appreciate y'all's take on how companies and business leaders are navigating some of y'all's initial observations. There, I want to move into the story about Amazon. Because some internal documents came out. This this comes from our friends at Popular Science, which by the way. 150 years they're celebrating. And if you ever got popular science, my favorite part as a kid was they would take a look back of the technologies that they forecasted was coming and they'd look back 100 years, they'd look back 50 years, and look back 20 years. And it was the best part, I think one of the best parts of the magazine. But nevertheless, Amazon's employee retention and their turnover rates in particular may be costing the company some $8 billion, as in Bezos, per year. So Mike, Talk to us about this uh, this report here. So l- let me preface all this by saying, right, this was not public, made publicly available by Amazon. It was leaked. So let's, you know, in, in some ways, let's maybe take it with a grain of salt. Having right. said that, though, and, and I may need help with the math, right? Eight billion. This, um, as you read it, was was across multiple tiers of employee level, everything from management to people down in the warehouse. So if you were to say, let's just let's use a round number because I need easy math of $100,000 uh, an associate, that's 80,000 people, I think, right, that Amazon is turning over. And even if we say that's half right, it's $4 billion, that's 40,000 people. So there's an issue there, right? And I think 
the issue for the broader population is are we focused enough on attracting but probably are we are we overemphasizing the retaining part within our workforce mm. we've talked a lot on here with some of our gartner research around moving from location centric work to human centric work recognizing through the pandemic that not everything has to be done in an office uh, even people like Amazon that have warehouse and manufacturing jobs, there's things you can do within that environment to create more human-centric work. So to me, this is an, an indication of a company that is not alone in struggling with retention. And to me, if retention isn't something the C-suite is talking about, then you're going to end up like Amazon. You're not eight. I mean, there's probably only one company on the planet that could afford eight billion dollars in associate turnover, and that's Amazon. But other organizations will have order of magnitude that is it that is impactful to them if we're not focusing on retention. And to me. That needs to be one of the top of mind things for all organizations, supply chain and the rest of the organization. How are we engaging our associates? What are we doing consciously to drive retention? And are we listening to our associates when they talk to us about the things they want to do, their career aspirations, and, and what do they want to do about the job environment? To me, this would set all kinds of alarm bells off for me, again, even if we say it's only half true, around major retention issues for, for people that aren't named Amazon as well. Right. Greg? I think one thing you have to remember is this is a company that hires 120,000 people just for peak season. Yeah. So yes, of course, their turnover is going to be enormous, right? And a lot of the jobs that they hire people for are transitional, transitory. Even the warehouse workers, we've seen a, a trend with people staying away in droves, as I like to stay, say, from dark, dirty, dangerous, and dull jobs. And there are plenty of those in an Amazon warehouse. So I think, I don't know if we should be shocked by this number, right? I mean, the company just receded below $1 trillion in valuation just yesterday. So $8 billion is a rounding error for them. Yeah. So. I do think all of what Mike said, however, is true for Amazon and for everyone else. And it's it's going to be particularly important considering what we talked about just a few minutes ago with inflation and recession and whatever other economic transition we're going to experience. Yep. Uh, we've already started to see the trend of baby boomers coming back into the workforce because their stock portfolios <laughs> got crushed. Therefore, their retirement has been crushed. And now... They answer, they can now answer the question, what the f am I doing this for anyway? So, and it is for, for the money. So, <laughs> I mean, I think there's a lot in transition here. There's a lot of, I don't know what I want to say, activist employees at Amazon. And I'm not a huge, I'm not like a huge advocate of Amazon, though I am right. a shareholder, full disclosure, but I think I have 13 shares. Um, <laughs> Watch <laughs> out um, for the hostile takeover from Greg White. That's right. Um, That's right. <laughs> but but this is something that we need to be concerned about because we're also in a transitional employment period where uh, because people are staying away from certain jobs or they're transitory in these certain jobs, those jobs are going to go to automation and they're going to have to integrate with the people 
who have satisfying jobs and who want to stay in those jobs and who want to continue to do the kind of work that they're doing. And they're going to be doing it instead of with human beings, with robots or other automation or autonomous. So you have to be very conscious of what is keeping or driving away people in your enterprise. Right. Yeah, I think maybe a couple other thoughts, Scott, because I know you want to move on. I, I think Amazon's a good example, I think, particularly if you think about the warehouse side of the house, is what are you measuring? How are you incenting people? And, and what, how does that drive the culture around whether people want to stay or go? And mm-hmm. I think that that's not, I'm not saying that the way Amazon does it is wrong. All I'm saying is, as in any organization, you need to look at the measures and the metrics that you're signaling are important. Yep. And how does that align with how people see themselves and how they value their job? The second thing is in the in that in that um, note, it talks about regretted and unregretted. I think the other takeaway from this is when you have, you know, unregretted attrition, part of the exercise needs to be why, right? And you have to be willing to hear the feedback around why people are leaving, and you can't just gloss it over around you know some some transitory type of things or, or or other kind of surface level reasons people are leaving you need to dig deeper and really understand and, and be very reflective and be open to that reflectiveness around why people are leaving I mean one of the things we we talk about at Gartner is when we think about this topic and Greg you hit on it is why stay so we spend a lot of time with people at Gartner saying, why are you staying with us? Mm. Again, not that we want you to leave, but we want to understand why do you stay? What are the things you like about the job? What are the things that keep you wanting to stay with us? And I think more organizations, when they, when they look at that regretted versus unregretted, should be thinking about why are people staying, to your point, Greg, and how do we amplify that? That to me that that's going to be a huge issue for us over the next twelve to eighteen months is this broader talent discussion. Yep. It's too infrequent that companies ask the question, "What is going right?" They always ask the question, "What is going wrong?" or "What's gone wrong?" But what is going right is critical to reinforcing the behavior or the or the operations or the outcomes that you want to continue in your right. organization. Yep. Right. The the employee uh, the employee idea uh, bucket isn't good enough, uh, right? A little tip of the hat to Michael Scott, the office, right? It's not good enough. You got to lean in. You got to be engaged. You got to seek out the information, whether it's easy to hear or not. And then of course, once you gather it, you got to take action and do something about it uh, to protect uh, the team you have and, and, and to improve your overall talent management approach. So Mike and Greg, appreciate your your perspective here today. I just want to point something out because it just dawned on me. So I'm going back to this graphic here. You know, Greg, we've done over a thousand shows on the main channel hundreds of live streams and webinars. And this is the first time we've ever referenced a story at Popular Science. Science, So kudos to that team for jumping into the Amazon news and and sharing these reported findings Uh, and and getting aside 150 years. That is something certainly to uh, celebrate. Okay. So now we're getting to uh, an interesting story that's not new. It's been around for at least a few weeks here. Many outlets from the Wall Street Journal to here, in this case, CNN Business, have been reporting on Kroger's plans to purchase Albertsons. Now, a little interesting twist. I want to couch the perspective you're going to hear from Mike and Greg and myself, perhaps. We're a big Kroger family. We're in there every day, it seems like. We live nearby one of their experiential big mega stores. 
where they try all kinds of new things and kind of see how it resonates. So the, the good old Kroger smart card, they've been gathering data for me for and Amanda for decades, it feels like. And Mike, interesting little take here. You were, I believe, in supply chain at Albertsons earlier in your career. Is that right, Mike? Correct. Just before we got bought by SuperValue. Uh, okay. And that was kind of the impetus for, I'm not leaving Boise, Idaho for Minneapolis, Minnesota. And that kind of, that kind of, Again, season is too short. I, I, I don't want to upset, you know, I don't want to add Houston Astro fans, Macy customers, and people that live in Minneapolis to the list of hate mail we're going to get. But I wasn't making that move. Uh, and that, that was kind of the impetus to the whole analyst journey that we spent some time talking about last month. So, yes, All right. I have had some experience with them. So I'm looking forward to get you and Greg's take on why, some of the why they would do this. Obviously, a lot of folks are familiar with uh, you know Walmart getting more and more into the grocery game and Kroger and Albertsons together. There's a much bigger footprint, some of the reasons. But uh, Mike, just in general, and then Greg, Mike, talk to us about what you see with this potential merger. Yeah, it's interesting. My early days at AMR, when, when I would talk to you know Kroger and Albertsons and Safeway, who was by themselves at the time, you know, when, when you would overlay the map of the United States, there, there was a lot of overlap between any two of them, right? But when you looked at all three of them together, which is now really what we're talking about, they pretty much cover now the United States, which I, I think this is, to your, to your comments, Guy, this is, this is a reaction to, you know, where Walmart has gone with grocery uh, and, and the strength and the presence and just the share that Walmart has in grocery. You know, I think this is probably something that w- that was inevitable and whether it was although I think back in my AMR days I would have thought it was more likely that it would have been Safeway who would have bought the other two than where we landed with Kroger. I think though fast forwarding today, I think the right company, Kroger of those three is the right one to now have kind of the control and influence over the three. Kroger has always struck me, whether it's it's what you talked about in terms of the customer intelligence, they've always been pretty sophisticated for a food retailer in the technology space. A lot of investment, you talked about the innovation store, a lot of investment in technology. They've got a really good culture around innovation and technology. So I think overall, the right company is now kind of shepherding these other two through the journey. There are going to be, for those people that, that like to, to watch the FTC, this is going to be a circus. You've already started to, re- to read about what's going to have to happen in terms of divestitures. You've already heard um, Albertsons talk about to maybe get ahead of the divestiture, spinning off similar to they did when they got bought by SuperValue. You know, spinning off a small 200 store chain that I don't know where or what it's going to do. Right. But there's a lot more. I mean, the people that are going to get rich on this are the FTC lawyers for sure, which <laughs> always happens in a merger and acquisitions, especially of this size. I'm excited for this because I do think if there's someone that that can give Walmart a run for their money relative to technology and innovation, it's always been Kroger. I think there's good infrastructure in Albertsons and Safeway. I think culturally, overall, I think it's a pretty good fit in terms of the, the Albertsons and the Kroger culture in particular, I think are pretty well aligned in terms of 
you know, acting locally, but trying to govern more broadly. Yep. So I, I, I think this is going to be a good deal. Once it finally gets sorted out, there'll be a lot of chaos until it gets sorted out. But I think Kroger was, is the right one to come out. I don't want to say come out on top. It wasn't really a competition, but I do think it, of those three big ones that you had, yep. Kroger being the one that's driving the bus, I think is a good thing. All right, uh, and I think it's a good thing for the, a good thing for the market. I think it's a great thing for the supermarket industry, who've always been laggards, with maybe the except with, with the exception of Kroger for sure, when it comes to t- technology and innovation. So I, I'm excited to see where this goes. Okay, so you know, uh, really quick, Greg, I'm coming to you next, but uh, Kroger's also been leading the way in terms of rolling out those uh, self checkout lanes that we've talked about before. I'm a big fan of. Because we can purchase as many dog treats and little Debbies and not be judged for it, you know, because we're, we're self checking out. So, a little, little, little tidbit about how Kroger runs its stores. Greg, what's your take on Kroger Albertson's pending marriage? I agree with the core precept that Mike talked about that Kroger is the right company to lead here. So, I'm from Kansas. There was a little tiny chain of grocery stores called Dillon's. And mm-hmm. when Kroger bought them, they elevated the CEO of this tiny grocery store chain, David Dillon, to CEO role at Kroger. And to me, not only does that show a certain openness, but but a, a really kind of collaborative spirit that you see as well, because they also allow some of their really premier brands to keep their label. Right here on Hilton Head, we have Harris Teeter, which is a legendary grocery brand in the Southeast, particularly in South Carolina. And oh well, along the coast anyway, and Kroger stores, and they've allowed them to have their distinct personalities even within like five miles of one another, three miles, I don't know, small island, whatever. They're very close to one another, and they did the same with Dylan for a good long while, and they did with Fries and other companies that they have bought over time, and they've integrated them very well, and they have created the efficiencies with some local control that Mike has talked about. I just think they do it right. And look, this was largely a defensive move for the collection of other grocers other than Walmart, right? They have to get bigger to be able to compete with Walmart effectively because they need the volume discounts and whatever else that, that they can tackle. Plus, they need to modernize how grocery is done. So much of the store is still done by merchandisers, right? It's manual. It's emotional. Here's how much space I have. I'm going to fill that space with Cheerios or whatever it is, right? They need to think a little bit more scientifically and they need to automate a lot of what's going on. And this gives them a scale that they can definitely do that, undertake what I'm sure will be multi-million or maybe even billion dollar implementation of a technology that brings things like complete oversight and understanding of their stock status, of their mixes in the various product mix in the various stores and what their optimal inventory positions ought to be. So there's a lot of room for improvement. And with the kind of scale that this gives these organizations, it'll give them a huge opportunity to to compete with Walmart, but also just be a better enterprise together than they are separately. Yeah, but not think, Cheerios. It's, it's, it's got to be Fruit Loops, Fruity Pebbles, anything but Cheerios, and especially not Honey Nut Cheerios. Goodness gracious, those things are horrible. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I would prefer a Frosted Flakes analogy than Oh my Cheerios, gosh, yes. Okay, anyway. you're right. 
I Cheerios think Greg, came to mind, General Mills. Right? Yes. But, but yeah, Frosted Flakes is a much better cereal. The um the the point you made, Greg, I just wanted to amplify because it's it's spot on. Which is the things that Kroger does well were already kind of building blocks that were in place in Albertsons and in Safeway. I'll take the loyalty as an example, right? Safeway already doing mining, you know, pretty much on par with what Kroger was doing. Albertsons was was in the early stages of that. So Kroger can elevate that. There, there's a lot of areas within those two companies that they already have been working on that I think Kroger can take them to the next level. The one challenge I do see with Albertsons in particular is the big challenge when you compete against Walmart is ultimately it does come down to price and service. Albertsons has tended to skew in their markets on the higher price side. And I think customers would debate whether they were getting service, the service equivalent for that. So I think one of the challenges Kroger might have is, is how do we bring kind of that lower price competitive dynamic within the Albertsons footprint? Safeway, I would argue, well, they may have said they wanted to compete at the higher end of price. They were really a price competitor. So I think that DNA that Kroger brings is also going to be good because at the end of the day, you do have to find a way to competitively compete on price against Walmart. And then where are you going to provide differentiation like that targeted marketing and loyalty that that Kroger has an incredible strength is? And I also agree, Greg, Kroger, of all the food retailers, certainly has been doing a lot of really exciting things around automation and innovation. And it was already, I think, doing really, really well in e-commerce, which is going to be that other battleground when it comes to food retailing is, you know, order online, collect and store. Kroger doing that really, really well. And I think has another opportunity to elevate both Albertsons and Safeway in that area as well. So again, agree with Greg. I I think the the right company is, is driving the bus in this one. Hey, Scott, before we move on, yeah. I have to, my mom is required that I do this whenever we talk about Dylan's, David Dylan to David Dylan. I just want to apologize again for my dad giving you an F in speech class when you were in <laughs> high school. She, she, my mom literally, that's, that's the story she tells. The next day, David was carrying her groceries out from the store and she was so embarrassed. And he said, and this is a talk about the words of a future leader. It's okay, Mrs. White. I deserve the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one last comment here. Natalie, uh, who lived in Cincinnati, I think she's in the Charlotte area now, speaking to what Greg was talking about, kind of that local yeah. uh, flavor. Natalie says Kroger does that within their own chain. They lived in Cincinnati for years. Each location was geared to the local you know, five-mile radius or so. That's a good thing. Okay, so a lot more to come on the Kroger's Albertson's story. I want to, uh, on this next, this this is going to have to be a quick hitter. Um, There's a great article here from Market Watch about kind of the supply chain outlook for the holiday shopping season that evidently we're already in. It's not even upcoming these days if we're already in it. You know, what's in stock, what's not going to be in stock. Uh, So Mike and Greg, just a couple quick observations, because I definitely want to get to that final question about um, uh, not only what's what's going on at Gartner, but also uh, any tips for folks moving ahead in their career. So a quick observation around the supply chain outlook for the holiday shopping season, Mike. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be another tough one just because of some of the things you already talked about, inflation, recession. I think we're still dealing with supply constraints in general all across the supply chain. Yep. My advice to those of us that are going to be shoppers is, is have a solid plan B, right? If you want 
a widget X, be ready to settle for widget Y, right? And be mm-hmm. okay with that. I think as organizations, we also need to have thoughts around if I can't get enough inventory to supply my customers in in X, what can I offer them in Y? So yep. it, it's there's going to be a there's going to need to be, you know, I think this holiday season I would maybe under subtitle it the year of contingency planning for both okay. shoppers and for organizations. Excellent, uh, Greg. Your quick thought. I agree with Mike. It's going to be a very soft holiday season and not just because of the difficulty of getting things, but it appears that everyone but Macy's is going to have this landscape of leftovers from products they didn't get out on the shelf last Christmas or during the rest of the year because it arrived late. So maybe Macy's is an actual, maybe a really big winner this holiday season, but I fear that hardly anyone else will be. (laughs) Well, I would just add to all of our listeners out there, this could be a great year to focus in on presence with mm. P-R-E-S-C-E-N-C-E. No, I, might, I might fill a speech too, like David yeah. Dillon, and not presence the, the objects, right? I mean, hey, going back to, I think what Mike shared, just be grateful for what you get uh, and not overly choosy uh, because I'll tell you, between the supply chain uh, you know, supply challenges we've seen on a variety of products to just how much everything costs. Goodness gracious, it'd be a good time to celebrate being with your family and loved ones. Okay, so I've got 1249. We're coming down okay. the home stretch very quickly, uh, Mike and Greg. So we get this question all the time. We, di- we happened, as Murphy's Law goes, we did not get it today, but that's okay. We're going to answer it anyway. Uh, so Mike and Greg, give me one thing. We always get the question, especially in this series, you know, how can I break into supply chain or how can I move up that career ladder? Mike, what's one one way that you'd encourage folks to answer that question these days? So when I think about how we go through the, the analyst hiring process, you know, one of the things, and even as I think about we're coming into our end of year kind of appraisal review season, one of the words or kind of collection of words we talk about a lot is behaviors and what behaviors have people demonstrated. My advice to people that are early in the market or looking to to move through the market is put yourself in situations where you can demonstrate behaviors. What's happening is resumes and skills and education is all starting to look very similar. Mm. So, you know, if your resume, you know, if you went to Michigan State with a supply chain degree, you're not alone in that, right? And if you're in the top 10% of your class, with a Michigan State supply chain degree, guess what? There's 10% of you that, that, that have basically a similar resume. What's going to differentiate people is behaviors. Where can you demonstrate to us those leadership behaviors, those ability to collaborate behaviors, those where you've been able to communicate maybe different idea behaviors? That's my biggest piece of advice is differentiate yourself on experiences and behaviors. Don't try to differentiate differentiate yourself around what typically in the past may have been important on a resume, kind of those very, you know, this is where I went to school. These are the jobs that I've had. It's about behaviors and experiences. At least that's been my experience. Yep. Well said, Mike. Greg? Uh, forget terms like work your wage or act your wage and quiet quitting because you won't have to quit or you won't be working your wage either because layoffs are coming. Eat probably even in the supply chain industry, and those will be the people that will go first. I'm not saying to work an 80-hour week either, 
But don't shortchange yourself by not gaining the experience of hard work in the supply chain and the experience that you get from interacting with other human beings. So to your point of presence, Scott Luton, be present. Mm. I, I mean, I think there, I love the flexibility of remote work, but you cannot deny even people who are huge advocates. We, I have this debate all the time. Even people who are huge advocates of remote work recognize, acknowledge, and I think relish the opportunity to get in front of people and solve in two minutes something you've been working on for two weeks, even collaboratively, but mm-hmm. distance like this. So start to think about how you can make your job more satisfying by being present, being more engaged, and, and being more active. And it's hard to differentiate yourself other than that, in yep. my opinion. Well, and also remember, uh, it's easy, relatively speaking, to deliver when times are easy. But uh, Mike and Greg are kind of both speaking to differentiations when times get tough, which you right. can really stick out with what you bring to the table. So Mike and Greg, wonderful conversation. I should just share. T-squared says, Honey Nut Cheerios is a banga. Don't slander that one. Now, I'm new to banga. I don't know. Uh, banga. What? That's what he means. It's a banga. Oh. Banger. <laughs> gotcha. All right. So I'm with big- you, P. <laughs> And by the way, Jason joins today. Jason, hope that your newest addition to the family, which is probably a couple months old now, is doing well. Okay. So, Mike, before you leave us, and hopefully you give us just an extra second or two on the uh, exit button, Mike, talk to us what's the latest going on with Gartner? What should folks be on the lookout for? And how can folks connect with you? Yeah. So, the the usual connections, LinkedIn, Gartner.com. We are heads down now planning for our two supply chain symposium early May in Orlando, first week in June in London. And I think I teed there, sorry, Barcelona. And I think I teed up last time. I also want people to start thinking about October and November, we're going to do two planning summits. So smaller events geared specifically for people that do planning. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did one in 2019. Pre-COVID was incredibly successful in Denver and we had plans to roll them out, but then COVID got in the way. So right now, really focused on what do we want to deliver for our events. Love that. And how can folks uh, connect with you? I know you're getting better and better incrementally at LinkedIn, yeah. right? Incrementally is the key word, Scott. Yes. LinkedIn and then uh, really m- email, Griswold at gardener.com. Uh, I, I have turned off the fax machine, so please don't fax me. But email, e- email is probably the best. Incrementally better at LinkedIn. And if you put something golf-related in the subject line, you probably have a oh. slightly more better percentage. Yes. Or, or, or basketball. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. Always a pleasure to spend time with one of the smartest guys that we know here, uh, Mike Griswold with Gartner. Mike, always a pleasure. If we don't talk with you, have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday, and we'll have you back in December. Looking forward to that already. Thank you, Mike. Sounds good. Me too. Thanks, everyone. Man, we covered around the world and then some in uh, 50 minutes just about after our opening about yeah. a variety of things. So, Greg, uh, other than Honey Nut Cheerios, you know, Mike dropped a ton of a truckload, as always, of, of great insights and expertise and things to consider folks out there. What was one of your favorite things he shared here today? Well, I think his insights around getting into supply chain are particularly valuable. Who could know better than he does, right? I mean... He talks to virtually all of the major employers in supply chain, whether they're practitioners or service providers, 
or technology providers, he knows what it takes to, you know, to make your way in supply chain. It's not his job to know that, but he just talks to these companies about things like retention and hiring and what they're looking for in people to make their organization more successful. That's got to be my, my favorite. Also, sorry, you said pick one, but I'm going to pick two. I love it when we get to hear him talk about something he really, really knows intimately, like Albertsons. I mean, he worked there. Just fantastic that he get that he's got the opportunity to do that. And I think a lot of people might have been a homer in that. And Albertsons should have been the surviving entity. But the way that he breaks down why it makes sense that Kroger is the, whatever you want to say, surviving, guiding entity in that it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. So, and, and it's, you know, it's an incredibly mature position to take. So, which is nothing less than we would expect from Mike. <laughs> Good stuff. I, I, the whole conversation was a, a neat one. I was excited as we were putting the uh, kind of the framework of the show uh, together earlier. A lot of good stuff. I enjoyed your perspective as always, Greg. Uh, you and Mike are quite the one-two punch. Always enjoy these monthly. And folks, in case you don't know, uh, and again, I think we this is our third year, uh, but it's the first Wednesday of each month, right? 12 noon Eastern time. Now, I say that because next month, we're going to a little exception. And you know, there's plenty of exceptions in supply chain. Next is the first Thursday of December is going to be uh, Mike Griswold's appearance here at Supply Chain Now. So y'all check that out. Tune in. Bring your questions, bring your observations, and be prepared for a great conversation. But also come on Wednesday because we'll have something pretty special that day as well. That is right. And it'll be a whole lot better than canned cranberry sauce on your turkey sandwiches, (laughs) which is no good. All right. So uh, enough about that. Uh, Thanks, everybody. Reggie, T-Square, Jason, Natalie, PB uh, dropped in earlier. Uh, Scott Boudreaux, great to have you here. Of course, Catherine, Amanda, all the folks we didn't hit. Uh, Y'all get ready. Be back with us. Monday is our next live show, Monday for the Supply Chain Buzz, 12 noon Eastern time, where we also walk through the latest and greatest, some of the best, uh, most important news headlines of the day. Greg, always a pleasure to knock these shows out with you. Yep, likewise. Appreciate it. You are the master of not just ceremonies, but any <laughs> discussion that occurs in supply chain. Uh, you're too kind. But folks, whatever you do, uh, hey, act on some of what you heard here today. It's all about deeds, not words, right? Differentiate yourself. Find a way. There's plenty of ways to find that. But most importantly, do good, give forward, and be the change that's needed. And with that said, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.